or do we put a subcommittee together with counselors as well as uh, stakeholders as well as uh, residents and get more uh, resident input? And it was uh, unanimous that uh, everybody felt we uh, wanted to put a Davis there reuse committee together uh, and to look at the different options. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM dial at 102.9, here today for a special combined session. There was a council meeting last week, so we got a town council quarterbacking with our town council chair, Tom Mercer. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Steve. Always look forward to these quarterbacking sessions. Indeed. And we get to combine it with a Talk Franklin session. So we have both Town Administrator Jamie Helen and Assistant Alicia Aline. Jamie, Alicia, welcome. Thank you, you doing, Steve? Steve. We're just the wide receivers in this conversation, Steve. <laughs> we just catch the ball and run with it. <laughs> the supporting team in full action. <laughs> We're, I think, a little bit better than New England's offense last week. But uh... <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> well, today sent that in for the folks listening. Thank you for joining us. And hopefully you've heard before. If not, and in a count council quarterbacking session, what we attempt to do is, okay, what just happened? <laughs> and picking up on that sports analogy, okay, what does it what does it mean for us Franklin residents and taxpayers? So for the two hour plus session last week, we'll kind of condense it. And then since we're combined with our talk, Franklin, we can get into some of those other details and then kind of tease up on what else is coming at us as we uh, we only got, what, a couple more meetings before the year is over. Where did that go? <laughs> but who's trying to, still trying to figure that out ourselves, too. What happened? <laughs> so starting off, uh, a happy moment, proclamation recognition for Becky Carloni from the Franklin Fire Department and her life-saving activities. Yeah, that was, you know, as we always say, Steve, these uh, proclamations and recognitions uh, uh, are a fun part of our meeting where we get to recognize our people for, uh, you know, the things that they do. And in some cases, like in this particular case, that they do above and beyond. And there's a situation where, uh, Becky was off duty and at a football game in a neighboring community and uh, noticed a gentleman that went down and she immediately jumped into action and started CPR and uh, they called in, you know, the rescue from that community and Becky stayed with them right, uh, right till ambulance got there and EMTs took over. So, uh, you know, it, it's just a great opportunity to show how our people, uh, continue to go above and beyond, uh, the call of duty. Yeah. Just, um, you know, to kind of echo Tom's comments, I mean, I think the community knows this already, but it's always great to to continue to show them the the character and the humility and the um, the skills of of all of our employees, right? And I think we know we have a great fire department, but it's 
another thing when the last two meetings you hear of somebody off duty, you know, um, you know, be- people like Becky and paramedics, all of them, they just don't know any other way. You know, I think it's just in the normal course of doing business to some degree that they're there and they're trained to help and they have a great skill and they're uh, great people with uh, hearts of gold. And, um, you know, it was great to see her get recognized. And, um, you know, the week before, Steve, we had the chief announced uh, three of our paramedics delivered a baby, you mm-hmm. know, out on 495, right? In the middle of the night, um, certainly on duty, but still something you don't get to do every day. And, um, you know, we have a phenomenal staff and a great team. And uh, it was great to see Becky's big smile at the meeting. And, um, you know, I'm I'm sure if she's listening to this quarterbacking session later, you know, she'll admit that she didn't really want to come, um, you know, but uh, I think by the end of it, she uh, she felt very, very proud of uh, what she had accomplished as well. So it was good to see her there. From my observation point of view, we've got a, a quality set of people across the departments who are doing little things all the time, um, which are hard to recognize. So when somebody does step out in whatever case, in this case, clearly then it's worthy of the recognition. So, yeah, that's all good. And then in moving into the presentation, you had a presentation first and then a discussion. And the presentation was, for those who may not have been aware of this thing called the Recreation Department, they do an awful lot for the town. (laughs) They certainly do. And uh, Ryan Jetty and his staff just do a magnificent job. Uh, And to see the numbers, and uh, unfortunately, I don't have the packet in front of me, so I I can't recite verbatim. Uh, But there are just so many kids involved. And probably the single most important piece to the community is it's self-funded. Uh, that's and to see uh, the different programs that are offered, to see uh, the different uh, fields and playgrounds, and, and again, uh, Ryan's in, involved in all of the uh, all of the different fields, all of the uh, uh, the grass fields as well as the turf fields and uh, coordinating uh, the youth programs with the school programs. Uh, it's, uh, it's a nightmarish job that Ryan does uh, just a magnificent job in doing. Uh, and I'm not sure, Jamie, you might have the chart in front of you that you could recite some of the uh, different uh, involvement from uh, the kids within the programs. I mean, I know, for example, that he's got, you know, 1,500 kids uh, registered for uh, winter basketball, Um, you know, and I think when you get into the registration numbers, it's literally in the uh, upper tier near 10, you know, thousands and thousands, if not over well over 10,000 registrations throughout the whole year. I think what amazes me about Ryan is, um, is he's just consistently adapting to the times, right? He's not stuck in the same stuff that was popular 20 years ago, you know, or 15 years ago. It continues to modify. The picklers out there listening definitely yeah. know that the that they love pickleball. It's all the other art programs. It's all of the different, um, you know, painting and 
watercolors and sports and athletics and trails and story maps. I mean, Alicia, is there anything that Ryan doesn't do that would be popular today? I mean, I think it's more about what he doesn't do than maybe what he does, right? Yeah, I don't think there's anything that Ryan hasn't uh, included in his program repertoire, uh, so to speak. But he also, he had a stat in there saying that his programs um, touch about 25% of our community. And I'd be willing to bet that it's way more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll acknowledge uh, both my grandparents. We take my grandson to some of the playgrounds and I'm amazed at the the setup and the accommodations. Um, as a community gardener, that's one of the things that's under the program. And certainly there's other volunteers uh, that help in that regard. And we use the Recreation Department sign-up process, which is something that's used for the registrations overall. And that's the kind of the engine that runs that because it is self-funded in terms of all the fees get to pay for that program. The other piece I think was interesting. Uh, and in terms of the developmental point, as you were mentioning, the we've it's been a feeder program so that the early days of the lacrosse, early days of soccer have positioned the high school to perform at the level that it does. Mm-hmm. And now he's they've established in the community kind of the governing body, I think it was for field hockey, which did not exist. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of evolution in terms of bringing structure so that other communities can leverage from what we're doing and how we're doing it so that they can provide both the services to to the kids of all ages, of all abilities. And then effectively, you know, it'll have some impact with the schools as well. Well, we don't want that, Steve. That's more high school competition. (laughs) I mean, I know... I know as a lifelong Franklin resident, the chair must not really want a lot of other competition. We want competition, but we don't. We want to still win, right? We we like competition, but uh, you know, uh, you know, we've been fortunate uh, as a community to that uh, we've won the uh, all sports uh, uh, league title uh, for the last few. The last, I don't know, three or four years. Anyway. I think it's five of six, five three in a row or something like that. And we're going to win it again this year, too. <laughs> there's, there's no question we're going to win it again this year as well. But, you know, some of the programs that Ryan runs, I mean, uh, if you're ever out and about in the fall and drive by Beaver Street at six o'clock at night or seven o'clock on a Thursday night and see the flag football participation that's going on. I mean, the Beaver Street parking lot's full. They're parked out on the street. There are just kids everywhere. But uh, he it's just a magnificent job. And we have, you know, the recreation board uh, that uh, Ryan work, that works with Ryan and putting a lot of this, a uh, lot of these things together. And, you know, we should obviously recognize uh, them, you know, the uh, uh, Bobby DeLocco, I think is on that board and Wayne Samarian. Uh, I'm not sure the others that are on it, but I know those were those are two. I think Wayne is the chair, uh, uh, the current chair anyway. But these are just as to Jamie's point, we're not just sitting on the programs 
that we've run year in and year out. We're changing them up. We're adapting with the times, uh, bringing new programs on. And that's just a tribute to Ryan and his staff. And I might say short staff. Uh, uh, for the amount of uh, programs uh, that Ryan's doing to work, working with the short staff that he has, just an incredible feat. And uh, can't thank him and his staff enough for all the work they do uh, for our community. Yeah, I would. I think the better term might be seasonal staff. Staff, with all the respect, um, because there is a bunch of folks, clearly either part time or just volunteer who do help to make everything work. And he does have a small number of full-time staff in order to make that happen. So yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. it, it's, it's a good program, no matter which way you phrase it. Staff that I'm talking about. Uh, he does have uh, an awful lot of volunteer uh, staff that work through season upon season. So yep. it's all good stuff. Definitely. And then it was teed up for a discussion amongst the council as to which way to go. And it sounds like on the Davis-Thayer uh, issue in terms of what will happen, a committee, subcommittee will actually be uh, solicited from the stakeholders, i.e. Franklin residents, <laughs> in, a, yeah. in a number of spots. Yeah, and I think that uh, I, I think this is a good decision. Uh but it's one that uh, we, Jamie and I and the administrative staff uh, discussed uh, before bringing it to the council, uh, because there's really two parts to this. Um, ultimately, it's a town council decision. So obviously, there will be public hearings uh, at the council level. So the question was, do we all do we do all of it just through the council uh, at council hearings, or do we put a subcommittee together with councilors as well as uh, stakeholders as well as uh, residents and get more uh, resident input? And it was uh, unanimous that uh, everybody felt we. I uh, wanted to put a Davis Thayer reuse committee together uh, and to look at the different options. Um, and there are no options that have been chosen. There are no options that are not on the table. Um, so uh, over the next couple of months, we'll be putting this uh, reuse committee to together and the process will begin. Uh, we do have uh, a consultant piece. Jamie, you want to speak to the consultant piece? Yeah, we've, um, you know, Kessel Booth, who's associates who have done the studies on DT for, you know, over 10 years now. Um, you know, we're going to retain them to kind of get a framework of um, some of the plausible uses that make sense um, or at least are feasible. Um, and then some of them just won't be feasible um, due to criteria that um, are either in law relative to other types of municipal settings or ADA. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of dynamics here. And I think what I hope is, is that through all of this, people try to have some sort of fun with this debate and this discussion. 
as I said at the meeting last week, you know, this is a huge asset for the town, certainly money wise. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one piece of it without question. But then also the, it's really the entrance to your downtown or at least, sure. you know, a big part of it. And, and obviously Dean College is on the other side of the of uh, 140 there. And I think, um, you know, I think people need to hopefully have fun with this debate. Um, this is an exciting thing for the community. Um, I know that it comes with some sadness over um, the current state of the school and there's not kids in there. And I'm sure nobody feels that way more than Tom and folks like Debbie and Wayne Samarian and a lot of others that went to school there in the community. I'm sure I've been through this in other towns I've worked for. And, you know, there is a lot of um, difficulty and challenge and, and disappointment in the community when these types of schools do close. Um, and so it's with mixed emotions, but there's also a, an amazing opportunity for the community here to really still do something really proud um, with the building and with the land. And um, and people should dream. I mean, I kind of alluded to it, Steve, you heard me like saying, we're here, we're here, we're finally here. After mm-hmm. all this debate for years about DT, it's finally in the care and custody of the, of the town council. And so we're going to hire uh, a consultant to kind of at least get some more of the realistic options on the table and what's feasible um, and try to take off the table maybe some of the items that for whatever reasons, um, you know, won't work. And so um, that is something that we're going to try to get started as uh, as the chair and the council go through the process of setting up a reuse committee. And my final uh, part about committees um, whenever there's a decision made, what I, I need everybody who's listening to the podcast to understand is just if you're not appointed to a committee, does not dilute your voice in this debate. You can still have opinions. You can still come to every meeting. You can say at every meeting um, or you can send an email to the council or me and say, hey, you know, this is what we're what we're thinking and what would be great. Um, we really just need people's ideas and thoughts um, over the next year or so. Um, on this to uh, to make sure that the right decision is made uh, by the entire community. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think from my perspective, there's a couple of things going on that are interesting as well, to the extent that on the one hand, we're going forward with this reuse committee for Davis Thayer. The school committee and the school department is also looking at their entire facility utilization and potentially redistricting, which as an outcome of that, and still not precluding exactly what's going to happen from that, also give us another facility at some point in time to potentially reuse. Um, so to to your point, it's it's not it, engagement is what is needed. You don't have to be at the table. You just need to be aware and provide input. And we certainly encourage that on a regular basis here. And this is a key opportunity with both the schools doing their thing, the town finally doing its thing on the Davis Thayer piece. There's lots of stuff happening and stay tuned. This, it's going to be interesting as we go. Yeah. Alicia, you and I walked through it, right? Um, we will do an open house someday um, for folks that um, may not want to see it, but some that do. Um, Alicia and I took some pictures in there one day and uh, put them in a slideshow. And, um, you know, I understand the emotions with it. You know, Alicia, I think when you and I went through it, we kind of thought a little bit of the same thing, right? Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it's going to take a lot of time to get the the materials in there cleaned out. You know, people think that stuff's all supposed to go wherever it's supposed to go. There's just way too much stuff, um, books, desks, shelves, you name it. Um, and that comes with a public process. 
No one knows it better than Councillor Mercer from going through all the building committees, but you gotta, there's gonna have to be a a, a slow and steady process to uh, to all these things. And, and, and to that point, uh, uh, to Jamie's point, the there was some discussion, uh, how could it be left in this condition and that kind of thing with some of the pictures that we, uh, that were shared with us. The bottom line is when, what happened when they decided that they were going to close Davis there, uh, the teachers and staff went through and identified the things that they needed uh, or could use in other facilities. So they identify all of that stuff. They make arrangements. They get all those things moved. Now, what's left is what we're dealing with. But to Jamie's point, there is a process that the town has to go through in order to dispose of those items that uh, were no longer needed by the system, by the school system. Yeah, it is. It, while it may sound quick and easy to do like a uh, yard sale, uh, because it's public property, we can't do that. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So more on that as it comes. And certainly for the listeners, stay tuned. There's an opportunity to either have a seat at the table, in which case I'm sure there'll be some sort of application process to uh, formally apply, and then there'll be some selection. But then beyond that, as an example, I'll certainly be following as many of the meetings as I can to share that, but they'll be open, there'll be discussion, there'll be opportunities to uh, have your say as things develop before we get to the ultimate decision when whatever the recommendations are come back to the council and there'll be hearings, et cetera, accordingly. So, yeah, not going to happen overnight, but it started. That's a good thing. And then you get into some legislation for action. And while there were a few things, we'll just cover a couple of key ones, uh, two items that effectively raise the minimum wage for the tax workout program for both the senior centers and the veterans. You know, these are these are things that we have to look at in, on an annual basis. And, uh, you know, Mass General Laws requires us to do certain things. Uh, and I know uh, there have been counselors at different times that have wanted to increase that uh, hourly wage, work off wage, uh, higher than minimum wage. But we're restricted by Mass General Laws to only do that. So, uh, you know, that's a point that the public needs to understand. It's not like we're trying to say that's the that uh, minimum wage dollar amount is it. And then uh, we increased uh, the work off program to uh, $1,500, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, any qualified uh, senior citizen over 60 years can volunteer services to to the town in exchange for a reduction in their tax property uh, bills for their domicile. Jamie, anything to add? I know I jumped on you there. Oh, no, I was going to pass it over to Alicia. I think, Alicia, you were working on these. Yep. Um, so the one major thing is with the Veterans uh, Property Tax Work-Off Program, we're actually looking to get more people enrolled in that program. Uh, this upcoming year, we're going to trans, um, transfer some people who are currently in the senior tax work-off program that qualify because they are veterans into the veterans program okay. to open up some senior tax work-off program uh, spots. Uh, 
But at the end of the day, there's still a large number of veterans in town that could qualify for this program. And it's definitely worth looking into. Yeah. And I think there's two factors to the extent that clearly they need to be a veteran and there are a large number of veterans, but there's also some income qualifications for that too. There actually aren't. Um, On the veteran side? There, there, uh, no, there are no income uh, restrictions. In fact, the uh, town attorney in the middle of the meeting walked upstairs and got his thick municipal finance book mm-hmm. and looked it up. Um, you know, I think um, Councilor Chandler was the one, as Tom just mentioned a minute ago, that had mentioned this is the maximum amount you can um, pay someone under statute. So, mm-hmm. um, but there are no income uh, eligibility guidelines. The only qualification is, I believe, is that your tax work off can't amount can't uh, supersede the amount you actually pay in property taxes. Yeah. So a hundred hours at the $15 an hour gives you the 1500, but if you're paying less than taxes, then you don't get to take away the rest of the money. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure we'll hear this in a minute. I, it's not as if uh, I can't imagine a property tax bill that small in Franklin these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll save it for a minute when we get to the tax rate hearings. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a, that's another story. <laughs> up and coming. Up and coming. So that would be good. Back to your point, Alicia. To, to, since some slots in the scene that the seniors had that were filled by veterans, now they're moving to the veteran piece. There's really no difference between the two because it's the same qualifications on both sides. But seniors will be available, and we'll just put out a call for any veterans listening. Um, that if they think they qualify and they should at least explore it, maybe it's an option for them. Mm-hmm. And and a quick addition, um, if you're a disabled veteran, you can have, I believe it's a spouse or family member uh, work the hours on your behalf as well. Ah, yes. That also makes a difference. Clearly, yes. Yeah, so they still get the benefit. Hence why I like having Alicia, Alicia on these calls. <laughs> 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 Covered the details, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Great teamwork. Yep. And then moving into the third item we picked was the uh, budget adjustment, which had gone through the FinCom uh, meeting, which we kind of both in both forums had talked about, but necessary for the budget adjustment to be had before we get into the tax rate hearing, which we've teased to and we'll getting 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 to in a little bit anyway. Yeah, Jamie, what? Why don't you jump on this one? Sure. Um, you know, really, if, if anybody out there is listening and is curious about about what we uh, did, um, you know, it was fairly small, relatively speaking. Really, uh, most of most towns, if you've lived in a small community, um, you have a special town meeting in the fall, and really, what that is is designed for all communities to update their budget based on state formulas and the state budget and their quarter one revenue projections and make sure everybody uh, communities are on the right uh, path before we set the tax rate. Um, All of this is laid out in state law. Most of the process at least is laid out in state law. And um, if I remember correctly, it was a 0.003% of the total operating budget was moved around. So it was very small and it was really mostly to reflect Changes in state aid from the uh, final budget, changes in revenue assumptions from um, new growth and um, uh, housing values in the community, and um, and then also the legislative changes uh, in the uh, opioid settlement uh, money 
as well as uh, to reflect changes in the legislative changes for the cannabis law in terms of post-community agreements, um, as well as um, some additional costs and money that had to go towards the legislative changes for the election this year. So um, all in all, most of what was done was fairly routine and administrative and uh, and additionally, a lot of funds were moved around to uh, from uh, a couple of accounts um, that we had reserved money for for uh, the collective bargaining agreements uh, that we were uh, that were finalized over the summer. So, the the vast majority, if not all, of the the budgetary transfers uh, were just due to uh, regulatory, legislative, or administrative changes. Um, you know, to update the budget as best we can. So, folks can go on the website on FranklinMA.gov and check the town calendar, check the agenda and all the packet materials in terms of the specifics are right there, both for the finance committee, uh, as well as the town council meeting last week. And it was a unanimous vote of the council as well as the finance committee. And it was relatively minor, as you said, uh, when you think of it, you can do the calculation, $500,000 on a, what, $128 million operating budget. It's not a big percent by any means. No, for sure. No. And then there was special recognition in your administration report, Jamie, about the open space and recreation plan uh, update process has started. Just that the Conservation Commission is is taking the helm on this one as they have in the past. Um, there's some new members that were here since the last time, for sure. Um, I know that um, open space, but also recreation, trails, greenways, um, you know, really for good reason, um, increased in a lot of popularity due, I think, a large, large part to the demographic changes in Franklin with a lot of younger families moving here, um, looking for amenities um, like that. And so this is your chance. If you're out there listening and you want to be involved in planning the, the open space uh, and recreational plan for the next seven to 10 years in Franklin, now is the time to get off the sidelines and come to some of those meetings and participate. Um, it is with good news um, that as of this recording, just yesterday, so maybe four or five days ago, by the time this runs, uh, the closing on Schmidt Farm is now official and recorded uh, at the Registry of Deeds. So again, for those that are interested in trails and um, possibly some agricultural production, community gardens, um, and hiking and whatnot, uh, this is a great opportunity to master plan out the future uses of the Schmidt Farm parcel as well. And so uh, for a lot of those younger listeners out there that are listening, they have young families and whatnot, um, if you're looking out into the future of the next 20 years of your quality of life uh, on this topic, now's the time to get involved and, uh, and come to those various meetings and, and see what the uh, concepts around town are. Yeah, because I think part of that, while you reference Schmidt Farms, uh, we still have to do the development work around the trails for Maple Hill, which was the other key <laughs> purchase in the last what, 18 months or so. Um, and then now that both of those properties have taken have been taken off the wish list, that wish list of you know other open space that may be available, it mm -hmm. might still be a list. But exactly now, what's the prioritization order? That I think would be part of an update for this, too, right? I th absolutely. And I think Maple Hill comes with its own challenges to master plan that because it's next to some uh, town land as well as Metacomet land trust land. Um, and and we can't forget about the main, a, a huge goal in this whole thing, Steve, which is how to connect all these places together. Yes. You know, I've frequently cited the Emerald Necklace um, 
and in Brookline and Boston and the Arbor Way and Arboretum and all the parcels of Lars Anderson and um, you know, all the trustees property that's in the city and whatnot. And they've connected the dots through a beautiful um, ecosystem called the Emerald Necklace. And we've got a thing here called the Franklin Greenway and sidewalks, bike lanes, trails, open space, parks, downtown, how to connect all these things together. The real reality is this is a lifetime project. Um, I've seen it with my own eyes in Acton and Maynard and in Hudson and in Milford with rail trail concepts. You know, they do take a long time and you have to have a vision. You can't just wake up one day and Amazon two day prime some plan to put mm. into execution on this. It takes a long time. But when all the pieces come together, um, there's an am amazing amount of community pride and usage that comes from it. So I'm hoping that um, that that kind of a project takes off with this open space plan, too. And as a frequent walker, and many folks have seen me walking around, I did <laughs> utilize one of the longer loops today, which thanks to some work a couple of years ago, putting in the uh, sidewalks along Chestnut and Pleasant, I, I did that loop going all the way down Chestnut, coming up Pleasant through Delcart um, back into the town. So yeah, it was a nice long walk today. It was a gorgeous day for it. And I was a heck of a lot safer on the sidewalk than I used to be in the in the gutter of the road. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> no, it's, it, I understand that. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that Chloe we don't want you sure. to end up in the gutter, Steve, for sure. No, or any no, drainage ditch. No, uh, and I'm sure other runners, walkers, bikers have different spots where certain aspects of the town you do in the off peak hours to avoid the traffic for those reasons that yeah. some of them are not so safe. But it's not like they won't ever be safe. They will be right. safer as we go. We hear about it all the time, right, Tom, Alicia? We both, yeah, we all hear about this stuff about safety and sidewalks and lanes and space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's just one, it's one of those things that we all know is popular, I think, but we have to put together a concrete list and agenda and prioritization um, of what to do and where to invest the right uh, money. Sure. And when you think about it, to Jamie's point, you look at uh, what the, this council, as well as some of the more recent councils, have put together uh, just in this last year, uh, you know, over 200 acres of open space uh, we've purchased for the town uh, that will be there forever for all of uh, the generations to come, hopefully. And in terms of looking ahead, since we've kind of shortened the town council meeting that was on the 16th and condensed it for the listeners. Tax rate hearing is coming up on the next council meeting, November 30th. Yeah. Always, not it. One, okay, two, three, not it. About favorite <laughs> of the year, uh, setting the tax rate. Uh, but uh, yes, that's on, that's on our agenda uh, coming up and uh Certainly tune in and everybody will uh, hear what the new tax rates are. Well, we have an inkling, uh, Alicia, we just got the, uh, the materials from the Board of Assessors. Um, so we could do a little bit of a preview. Uh, so the, the rate, Steve, will uh, be proposed at uh, $12.58 per thousand, which is a huge drop. Huge drop. From last year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the good news. The 
The bad news is, is that, well, I guess if you're a property owner in town, this is excellent news too, which is um, the, uh, obviously the valuation of the properties is uh, escalating at a very large cost in Franklin. Right. Um, And so the, uh, the uh, appraised value is going to go up almost 17% for most homes on an average basis. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, I think part of the tax rate hearing is it's part the art and science of a lot of this. And uh, we know it's kind of a dry topic, but for those that are interested in tax rates or how your property gets appraised or why these assumptions are there, uh, it's really probably a good meeting to tune into. Yeah, and from my understanding, clearly it's it's more of a, to respect, I think much is made of it, but it's really kind of a math exercise. Uh, the yeah. the more detail is in the Board of Assessors work, which people can go back to because uh, they did do a somewhat of a deep dive at the FinCom session. Um, but yeah, to your point that when the uh, assessed value increases, whether it's a little or a lot, uh, the tax rate is going to go the other direction usually. <laughs> sometimes That's a right. little, sometimes a lot. Because it's, right. a, it's a give and take that way. And we've seen in cases where, just in my reporting years, when the valuation drops, like in 2008, 2009, the tax rate increases because you got to take uh, from a smaller pie and thereby the rate increases to that extent. So this will probably be the, the lowest tax rate the town has seen since the 2000s. Hmm. I think it's 2009, 2010. So, yeah, early 2000s. Yeah. I'll update my chart in, van- in advance of the meeting. So, we can, don't worry, we can Steve. We've got one for you too in the, oh, in good. the packet coming. <laughs> oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and then I think on one of the future meetings, you've got the Old South Meeting House coming back. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, that's actually on uh, the 30th, if I'm not mistaken. That's and correct. That's a really, a really good thing that's going to happen there. Uh, I guess we've been working on for as long as I have been on the council, uh, and I think uh, we're bringing uh, bringing it to closure uh, in the very near future, where uh, we will come up with a, the best use for that facility. So stay tuned. This is a um, people who uh, know me well, know I use a lot of, I'm a big football fan. I use a lot of football metaphors (laughs) and we go for the first downs. Uh, This one was a Hail Mary and um, you know, I don't know sometimes where these ideas come from or how they come out and somehow they just come out. But to be in a position a year ago where I think the discussion was about, like, you can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, A year later, to be in a position where there was one bid um, from Habitat for Humanity to take over this parcel and build it into a single-family residence um, to help a family, Mm -hmm. probably afford, to be honest, Um of lower means, um, I, you know, I sometimes have to pinch myself and say, how, how did this, how did this happen? And I didn't go to there. I didn't go to church there. Um, other people on this call <laughs> may have gone to church there at one point. <laughs> or at least some and, services. Um, yes. And I got to imagine for a lot of people on that 
side of Franklin, truly like to, to see the growth and the uh, maturation of Washington street. I think this is like a perfect uh, fitting to it with the Grove street work being done and the Amigo school and the infrastructure. Um, you know, it's just really amazing. It's, it's truly amazing. Yeah. And to Jamie's analogy of Hail Mary, what really happened is Gerard Phelan showed up. <laughs> it's just, yeah, he's not even old enough to remember that. <laughs> uh, Doug Flutie's Boston College. Oh, BC in 84, of course. Was caught uh -huh. by Gerard Phelan. So, uh, I am old enough. I forgot that was Gerard Phelan. I thought it was Darren, but I, for some reason I got the name wrong. But, yep, Doug Flutie against Miami in 1980. I think it was this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It Probably. Was. Yeah. I think the anniversary is right about now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, Number it'll one, a, it'll be a highlight reel. Yeah, but it, it's great, and and I did go to many Christmas Eve uh, services at that church uh, back in the olden days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just so nice to see uh, this go to habitat for humanities and being able to maintain the outside the facade of the building uh, is just, it's a win-win. Uh, it's, it's a win for the town to, uh, you know, get a single family home uh, through Habitat for Humanities on this particular site. And uh, we get to refurbish and get to see the church in its, uh, at least the outside in its natural state that it's been at for a hundred years. And Alicia, the annual liquor license renewals, that's about to kick off, huh? Yeah. So it's actually already kicked off. Um, we, we sent out the original mailers in uh, early October. Um, so we're just waiting on everybody to get all their information in. Um, it will be the, at least for the alcohol, um, they'll be on the December 14th agenda um, for their approvals. Um, we have heard some concerns in town about um, some of our establish establishments, um, you know, ending uh, or closing the kitchen a few hours prior to um, their closing. Um, so, in order to help prevent that, we're going to send out a mailer or a notice to all alcohol establishments, um, just reminding them of our bylaws and our our rules and regulations. So hopefully that will be resolved in the upcoming year. And just for people's knowledge, it's uh, you can close the kitchen. I believe it's up to an hour before uh, uh, 45 minutes or an hour before closing. Uh, they have to continue to serve food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think they do that clearly on the one hand. The kitchen does need to get cleaned up before they close. You don't want to keep them that late. But on so, the other hand, you want to have food associated with the alcohol consumption. So kind of walking that fine balance between the two. Exactly. Well, good. So is there anything else we need to cover on this Talk Franklin quarterbacking session combined as we've got it? <laughs> Well, I can't think of anything. I think uh, we covered most of the things. Uh, obviously, a lot more to come in the next uh, 
we have kind of full agendas uh, for town council agendas uh, for the month of December, January, February. Uh, they're getting full. Uh, Jamie likes to pack it on a little bit. <laughs> well, He's there's a lot busy. of stuff to get done. Yeah, there is. There is a lot of there is a lot of things that need to get done. A lot of committees that where we will be putting together over mm -hmm. the. Uh, course of time between the Davis there reuse committee, the master plan committee, uh, police station uh, committee. Uh, these are all uh, things that we will be addressing over the next few months. So stay tuned, as you say, Steve. Yes. Well, to the extent that there is that much coming at us, I'll thank you for participating today and giving of your time so that the people can understand the, the inside story and the condensed version of the last council meeting get a teaser in terms of what's coming up so thank you all for doing this thank you thank Thanks you lot, and to the listeners we do this because franklin matters we are now producing this in collaboration with franklin tv and franklin public radio this podcast is my public service effort for franklin but we can't do it alone we can always use your help how can you help if you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark in Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.